Welcome back, everybody, to Story Symbol Spirit Podcast on how to make sense of scripture. My name is John McCambridge, and I am joined, as always, by Jackie Mitchell. Oh, you said my name today. Thank you. Jackie Mitchell, Hi. welcome to the podcast. Producer Jerry is in Thank the room, you. currently putting on headphones to drown our He's sound trying out. Trying to leave, yeah. Uh, but you know what? This is the last podcast before Christmas. I know. And so I feel like kind of in the Christmas spirit today, don't you? We have our yeah. we have our staff Christmas party tonight. Oh, I'm so excited. Which, uh, uh, w- because of the nature of how these are in terms of just being over the top. Yeah. Our lead pastor, Joel Kovacs. Uh, we kind of approach these the way that you're supposed to approach God with fear and trembling. Yeah. You know, if there's three things Joel loves, it's the gospel, his friends mm-hmm. and family, and then probably the staff Christmas party. And the staff third. Christmas party. Yeah, honestly. And he works very hard on He's this. So Spends excited. a lot He's of time so on excited. it. And so it's always a surprise. We don't even know what's happening. Right. But we do know it's Polar Express themed. Right. So do you like that Christmas movie? I, I don't know if I've ever seen it all the way through. Maybe I have, but it would have been a long time ago. This, this is so classic Gen Z of you. What, that I haven't seen yeah, that? Yeah, you just like don't know anything. You like no, know no cultural stuff. references from anything stuff. past 10 I years ago. I know what the Polar Express is. The thing that's weird about the Polar Express is the reason people don't like it is because it's like a weird animation style. Yeah. yeah. And people say that the characters in the Polar Express have dead eyes. Like Uncanny Valley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our, our coworker, Matthew, used to be afraid of it, I think. Of the Polar Express? Yeah. Yeah, and like the guys like traveling on this train and like some crazy stuff is happening, like dangerous things. Yeah, it is so kind of like it's kids not, should not be on that train. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't feel safe. No. You know, but it is Tom Hanks, so it does kind of feel safe. Oh, Tom Hanks is in it? Tom Hanks is the main he's voice. The well, he's the conductor, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. I don't know who the kid is. So we've got like a little Polar Express situation. Uh, Jackie, if you were forced to sing one Christmas song a cappella in front of a group of people. You had to do it. You don't have a choice. You have to sing it. No no mm. uh, instrumental accompaniment. Mm-hmm. Which song are you singing? No instrumental accompaniment. Um, uh, maybe Silent Night. That's not hard to sing. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I was going like to say- high. Well, you can sing it in whatever key you want. Oh, I don't know. That's high really if you play it in a high means, key. But I would obviously <laughs> sing it in falsetto. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't have to. Well, I was trying to think because there's some songs that I really like, like Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. What is that? The Christmas song? But that gets weird. No, I weird. don't think that's the Christmas song. I think the Christmas song is, is Chestnuts, Chestnuts Roasting. roasting on open but fire. some of those songs get weird and they kind of like modulate to another key. Mm. And that you can't do acapella. If you just want me to sing a song, it's got to be like an easy like... You know what I'm going with? Or Oh Christmas Tree. Oh, oh, Christmas tree's good. That's easy. I'm, I'm going um, Joy to the World. Oh, see, that's good. And you can kind of well, sing it in like a power voice. Yeah, you know? but that's that song, you have to take like a deep breath before some of those. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot going on, a lot yeah. of words. Yeah. Like we talked about this last week, so they're so wordy. They're I like know, a lot of Christmas songs. songs, you're really packing a lot of words in there. Yeah, so um, uh, b- before we before we get going, Jackie, would you... Uh, like to apologize to the Rockettes for last week's little. I said that you nothing. Had. I actually said I like the Rockettes and that I want <laughs> I no your, harm your from blood, their PR team. Your blood team. sugar was a little low. And I was, it was so close sh- to lunch, and so, so you just you didn't mean all that stuff. We, we support it. We support it all. We support it all, and we John, don't want to be anti-Christmas. You know what? John has some stuff to say to the Rockettes. But now he listen, has some sorries to say. Christmas is approaching. And next week, what are we doing for Christmas? Ooh, we have a very like, special guest. For the story symbol spirit. Well, of course, yeah. we're releasing an episode because Obviously. we would never take a day off. <laughs> no days off. No days off. Um, we have a really special guest, Alexander Patterson. Yeah. And he's got like some pretty interesting stuff to talk about in terms of the chronology of the birth of Christ, yeah. what it means like in history. He's got some really cool research. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason that we celebrate on December 25th is because yeah. of, that's more because of like church history and the way that they 
put the feasts, mm-hmm. but most people don't place the birth of Christ in terms of like historical fashion there. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's actually like been a ton of scholarly debate about when it is. And so Alexander has his own sort of like, I'll call it like his magnum opus of research. Oh yeah. He sent it to us last yeah. year. It was crazy. And All so good stuff. he's really smart. So you and I are going to have to like, uh, try to understand what he's saying. I know, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be awesome. I'm super excited. Uh, but it's going to, but it's going to be fun. So what we're going to do this week is we're going to continue through the story of Genesis. We're going to go through the first part of Genesis 31, which is the story of Jacob finally leaving Laban. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get to the point in the story where Jacob and his wives decide to leave. And then we'll pick back up in a couple weeks and finish Genesis 31 and keep going into the new year. Uh, but Jacob's escape from Laban, which is the reason that we're going to break this up, is because his actual escape from Laban, I think, is like a type or a shadow of the Exodus. Okay, so we've already seen a couple of those. Yeah. And so I just want to make sure that we kind of give that theme enough space. And mm. so we're going to we're gonna break this uh, uh, chapter 31 up into to two episodes. Um, but, but this is where we are. Uh, it is time for Jacob to escape the grasp of Laban. It's about time. It's been, it's been at least 14 years, <laughs> probably been, more. Huh? Yeah. It's been about a decade and a half, two oh, wives, like 12 children later. <laughs> and so we've kind of made a big deal out of the fact that Laban has been antagonistic and unfair yeah. and kind of using the word like tyrannical mm-hmm. towards Jacob. And so one of the things that we've seen so far is that when this happens, it's not good for the person who's doing that. Right. It's not good for the tyrant. No. Right. Cause you don't want to be opposed to the chosen one of God. Right. That's, that's historically a, pretty bad. Historically doesn't speaking. work out. <laughs> not good. <laughs> it's not a good way to come out on top. Okay. So you want to give us a little bit of review of uh, where we ended last week and kind of where we are in the story? Yeah. So Laban essentially, or I mean, Jacob tells Laban, like, I want to go out on my own. Um, isn't it time that I do something for my own family? He says. And so he cuts him a deal and he says that he will tend Laban's flocks, which have been kind of prosperous under his, his uh, discernment. Um, and that he would get paid through all of the speckled and spotted sheep, right? Which to Laban seems like a really good deal, right? Because that's the recessive gene we talked about last week. Right. So it's kind of like, there's not going to be a lot for Jacob to have. Yeah. And then Laban kind of makes it uneven, even though it already was kind of an uneven deal. He takes all of those spotted sheep away yeah. from the, the flock, which Jacob is tending. So now Jacob's got basically a flock of all white sheep and he's breeding those sheep. So he's basically, I mean, Laban thinks in his mind getting no sheep to leave with. Right. right. But then he, you know, through his applied knowledge, through his, um, his knowledge of shepherding, we talked about and, and what certain wood does in terms of fertility and for, um, yeah, stuff like that. Vitamins for, for female sheep, Jacob puts these, what are they? Thin slices of wood kind yeah, of like in branches. the water. Yeah, yeah right, kind of right. branches, right? Um, we talked about how this is partially due to his knowledge as a shepherd, mm-hmm. but also God providing. Right. So these these sheep are reproducing and a lot of them are speckled and spotted, Yeah, which seems kind of miraculous, right? right? So, so he's in a better position than Laban thought he would be. Right. And what we're going to see this week is that it is miraculous. Yeah. And it's because of God. So, yeah. so let's pick up at uh, Genesis 31. And uh, as always, like, subscribe, give us a rating and a review, uh, share with a friend for Christmas. For Christmas, this could be last minute the stocking Christmas, stuffer. Oh, like a story symbol a spirit link. link, just like a QR code. <laughs> yeah, maybe? come on, guys. Or a Christmas present to us. Share this with someone. Yes, you know, yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So let's pick up Genesis 31. Let's do the first three verses. 
Jacob heard that Laban's son were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude towards him was not what it had been. Then the Lord said to Jacob, go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives. I will be with you. So Laban's sons are speaking against Jacob behind his back and kind of accusing him of cheating their father, right? Which is absurd because it feels like their father has been cheating Jacob, Exactly, right? yeah. exactly. So why are they? why do you think that they're accusing him of that? So yeah, Jacob's breeding all these speckled sheep. Yeah. <laughs> he's getting like all these sheep. <laughs> and they're kind of mad that right. he's taking that much from them. Right. It's according to his agreement with Laban. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but basically like his wealth based on this agreement is starting to overtake Laban's wealth. Mm-hmm. And so Laban's sons are obviously on the side of their father. Yeah. And they don't really know what's going on. And so they just kind of assume that Jacob's cheating somehow. Yeah. And so Jacob's plan worked. And now Laban and his sons are obviously not happy. And so God tells Laban or uh, Jacob, there's time to go back to Canaan. Mm-hmm. You know, it's time to go. And he says, I will be with you, mm. but it's, but it's time to leave. So there's some interesting things in the language here. Um, the translation that, that we read here in the NIV said, Jacob noticed Laban's attitude, attitude towards him was not what it had been, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. But the, the like kind of wooden Hebrew is Jacob saw the face of Laban and behold, it was not with him. Mm. And so the reason it's interesting is because God says, go back to Canaan and I will be with you. That's a cool juxtaposition. Right. So yeah. Laban is not with you. Uh, so you need to listen to me mm-hmm. and I am with you. And so there's this repeated theme here again, like, cause again, like uh, uh, talking about face, you know, the symbolism of vision. We saw uh, he sees Laban's face and Laban's face is no longer with him. Like Laban's mm-hmm. not seeing correctly mm-hmm. you know the face the nose uh the eyes in in the kind of like hebrew symbolism is all kind of like uh tied to how you understanding the world right yeah. are you with god yeah. or not are you yeah. seeing correctly or not and we've gone mm-hmm. through this theme but later in the chapter we're going to start to see that jacob starts to describe uh these these kind of miraculous moments and what what does the bible call these moments mm-hmm. visions yeah so he starts to have visions, which is important in the theme of sight because these are visions from God. Yeah. God's showing him something. He's yeah. seeing something from God in these visions. And so you kind of see this thing that's all connected with, with vision. And so uh, uh, Laban is not with Jacob. He has never been with Jacob. Yeah, at least be not from the yeah. beginning. And so uh, Jacob is to take off because God is with him and yeah. God will provide for him. Mm. So let's do uh, four through nine. So Jacob sent word to Rachel and Leah to come out to the fields where his flocks were. He said to them, I see that your father's attitude towards me is not what it was before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages 10 times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. If he said the speckled ones will be your wages, then all the flocks gave birth to speckled young. And if he said the streaked ones will be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked young. So God has taken away your father's livestock and has given them to me. So Jacob tells his wives this predicament that he's in. Your father is against me. Yeah. His attitude has changed towards me. His face Mm -hmm. is not towards me as it formerly was, right? Uh, Probably like at the very beginning when he first showed up. Yeah, I was going to say, it's been a long time since Laban's been- Called bone and flesh (laughs) or whatever, yeah. Um, He says, so your father is not with me. Yeah. But God, my father- Mm. is with me. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he kind of starts to describe what's going on. He says, we made a deal. I worked for him uh, with all my strength for all these years. He has cheated me. He's changed my wages. 
the word here more woodenly uh, instead of cheated is humiliated. Mm. He's humiliated me. Mm-hmm. He's made a fool of me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Laban has all the power and he's used that power to humiliate God's chosen one. Mm-hmm. He's lorded it over him. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of, you know, you kind of see this and you, and we've seen this before from tyrants, but when we get to the, to the new Testament, the disciples of Jesus are going to be in an argument about who is the, who's going to have the, the, the top seats yes. in the yeah. kingdom. Yeah. And what does Jesus say? He says that you don't want that seat, right? Yeah. He says, don't, you don't, I mean, the Gentiles lord it over, yeah. lord their power over each other. Mm-hmm. Not so with you. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that again, like we always say, Jesus doesn't make up this theology. Mm-hmm. We see what happens when you lord power yeah. over people, when you use it in that way. And so far in the Bible, what happens is that God gets his recompense mm-hmm. and the person, the tyrant is, is overthrown or mm-hmm. defeated. And so Laban has been using this power and his position to humiliate Jacob. And so Jacob's consulting his wives mm-hmm. before he, he moves forward with them. And as we've seen so far in the story, even though his wives uh, are not in a particularly great situation, mm-hmm. and even though there's some kind of rivalry between them, some kind of tension between them because yeah. of the situation that their father put them in, um, they have so far acted faithfully, mm-hmm. right? I mean, not, nothing in the story so far makes it seem like the wives are against God. Yeah, or against Jacob. Against yeah. Jacob. They're praising God. Mm-hmm. They're working in, in the plan. And so, um, uh, you know, I, I think this idea of consulting his wives is important. Mm. Um, he's not just saying we're leaving. Yeah, he could have just packed them up. and Right. Now, the out. reason I think this is important theologically, and I don't want to go too far, but I do think you can draw this parallel uh, Remember, we always say this, what is the church called in the New Testament? The bride of Christ. So so Christ is the husband, we are the bride. And so God does not just take us places. Mm-hmm. He considers us mm-hmm. and partners with us. Mm-hmm. He brings us into the divine council. We are his bride and we're invited into the place where he rules mm-hmm. to participate with him. And so, you know, this, this marriage, even though, it was sown on this kind of like rocky ground and there's two wives and there's not supposed to be two wives and there mm-hmm. was trickery and all this stuff and it's not perfect and all this sin is mixed in. Uh, there's this human image or model of mm-hmm. a relationship uh, of, of marriage, mm-hmm. which is the, the image of the relationship of, of us and Christ. And so this is how it's supposed to be with us as well. Uh, now the problem according to, to Jacob is that Laban has humiliated him mm-hmm. and it doesn't really give the details of what has happened, but it seems like over the course of this time of the speckled and spotted sheep Last being born, chapter. Yeah. that Laban keeps coming in and seeing that the sheep are speckled and then changing the deal to say, actually you can keep the striped sheep. Mm. So then a bunch of striped sheep are born and he comes back in and says, actually you can keep the, the black sheep. Yeah. And then a bunch of dark sheep are born and he comes back in and says, actually you can keep, right? So, yeah. so there's this kind of um, uh, dishonest dealings mm-hmm. that, that he's doing. And so whatever the current deal is, it keeps turning out good for Jacob. Yeah. Now, the reason that this has happened is because God has taken away Laban's sheep and given them to Jacob. Yeah. Uh, if you remember a few chapters ago when we first met Rachel, she, she appeared mm-hmm. at the well And do you remember what we said kept being repeated about her sheep? They were her father's. Yeah, her father's sheep, her father's sheep, her father's flock, her father's flock. And the reason that uh, that was so intentionally put forward is because the flock that was her father's 
is now Jacob's, mm-hmm. right? And so the, the, you know, God wants us to know that because of what Laban has done and because of Jacob's faithfulness to God, mm-hmm. God has taken the tyrant's stuff and given it mm-hmm. to, to his chosen one. Yeah. So we'll go through this more detail in a couple of weeks when we start to talk about the Exodus. But when, uh, when the people of Israel are under, this, under slavery in Egypt, and they get delivered, what mm-hmm. do they leave with? Gold and jewelry. All kinds of riches, yeah. right? He takes yeah. Pharaoh's stuff mm-hmm. and gives it to his people, right? Uh, and so uh, the, the actual, I actually think this is a cooler translation. The actual Hebrew is that he snatched them out of Laban's hand. Yeah, that is cool. And gave them to Jacob, yeah. right? Uh, and so, okay, so he's consulting his wives mm-hmm. and uh, um, he now he's going to tell them kind of like how all this has come about. Because the mm-hmm. question we've been asking is like, how did he know that this would work? Yeah. Why are all these speckled sheep being born? Mm-hmm. Well, why, even though Laban's changing the deal and being dishonest, why is, does Jacob still have all this wealth mm-hmm. that he's, and so he's going to tell them, uh, he's, he's going to tell his wives how this, how this came about. And so mm-hmm. let's do 10 through 13. In breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled, or spotted. The angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled, or spotted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. Oh, man. This is cool stuff, right? Yeah. So there's a lot going on here um, in terms of like biblical symbology, but mm-hmm. um, we see now why Jacob knew his breeding program would work. Yeah. It's not because of the sticks. Yeah. Right. That's just sort of like a detail of, mm-hmm. of what's happening. He knew it would work because he had a vision mm. and the vision was of the angel of God. And so when we talked in the Abraham story, we talked about the angel of the Lord, mm-hmm. which is a different word. That's the angel of Yahweh. Mm. This is the angel of God, angel of L. Mm. And so the question is, is this the same is this the same angel? Because what did we say that the angel of the Lord was? Christ. Yeah. Pre-incarnate. <laughs> so yeah. It's God. And the reason is because uh, the angel of the Lord is speaking and then all of a sudden it says, and then God said. Yeah, it, it changes into just direct, right. like this is from God directly. And so church historically has has always said that that's Jesus. That's mm-hmm. the pre-incarnate, mm-hmm. if you will, Christ. Um, and uh, um, uh, so is this the same? Right. So, so even though this isn't the angel of the Lord, the angel of Yahweh, it says it's the angel of God or the angel mm-hmm. of Elohim. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I would say that, what, what do you think when you read the rest of it? Well, he says, I am the God <laughs> of Bethel. So yeah. it's like probably the same guy, right? Right. So, so what is that? What, what was the God of Bethel? Like, what is that? What is mm. that referencing? So Jacob earlier made that pillar. Right. And who is at the top of the, 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 the stairs? stairs, the Jacob's ladder. Yeah. God. God. Yeah. Right. And so he's, so the angel of, of God shows up. And starts to speak to Jacob and then says, I am mm-hmm. that God. Mm-hmm. And so that God is Yahweh. Mm-hmm. And so even though this is the angel of Elohim instead of the angel of Yahweh, it's the same, it's same, the same person. Yeah, same deal. And so according to the church, this is Jesus, mm-hmm. right? This is Christ. This is the eternal son before his incarnation. Uh, and, and he shows up in, in this vision and he says, you know, that, that, that was me. Do you, mm-hmm. do you remember? Mm-hmm. So go back to the land. Yeah, this is what he says. Leave this land at once and go back at to your, once. At, and go yeah. back to your native land. So he's telling his wives this, 
So the question is, you know, they've been faithful so far. Like, how are they going to receive this news? How are they going to, you know, to, to break away from their father on bad terms? to go back to a land, to, to go to an unfamiliar land for them. Yeah, when your husband calls you and says, hey, I had a dream, we gotta I, I go. I had a vision <laughs> where the angel of the Lord, who is God, God by the way, spoke with God last night. He showed me, that's why all these sheep are speckled, okay? Yeah. And he wants us to go back to our land. Lots right? to digest so let's for see, Rachel and Leah. So let's see how they respond. <laughs> this is very interesting in terms of family yeah, dynamics. Yeah, absolutely. Then Rachel and Leah replied, do we still have any share in the inheritance of our father's estate? Does he not regard us as foreigners? Not only has he sold us, but he's used up what he paid for us. Surely all the wealth that God took away from our father belongs to us and our children. So do whatever God has told you. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Not, not, not some daddy issues. <laughs> yeah, that really. Some, oh my gosh. Some, a father wound is coming here. And, and rightly so. I mean, think about what he's done. I know this is nice to think because we don't get a lot of like Leah's side of the story when uh, the, the old switcheroos happening, yeah. you know? And so the temptation there, if you just read that story is to be like, Leah was really mad at her sister for getting married before her. And so right. like she went along with that plan, but it's like, these girls are saying like, our dad basically sold us. Yeah. And we didn't want any part of what happened to us. Right. So, um, you know, these are Laban's daughters, but mm -hmm. he's treated them mm -hmm. like he's, you know, the, the significance of the fact that he does not consider Jacob to be uh, bone and flesh. Yeah. And he considers him to be a hired hand. Well, what does that mean for the fact that you sell your daughters to, to that you give your daughters to the hired hand? Yeah. Right. Um, and, and so they're kind of like, well, forget him. Like we're, we're with you now. Mm-hmm. And we trust you and we trust God. I mean, look yeah. what he's already done for us. Look, yeah. look at what we have. And so we're, we're going to, we're going to go with you. And I think the, one of the interesting things is that the, the women, the wives interpret what Laban, their father has done as that of having treated them as slaves. Mm -hmm. And so a few episodes ago, we talked about what we call the dowry mm -hmm. or with in, in Hebrew, it's the mohar. Yeah. Like the bride price. Yeah. It's the bride yeah. price and it's given to the father. But technically speaking, it's supposed to be a rainy day fund mm -hmm. so that if the daughter, uh, for the daughter, if the husband dies. It's like insurance. So insurance. The, the husband dies, then the daughter's not left just alone with yeah. nothing. She goes back to her father's household and she's got that money that right. was paid to her. Right. Widows are historically one of the oppressed classes because their husbands are dead. They have no means. Yeah. Right, like if you think of like agricultural labor and mm -hmm. and the the things of that time in the world, like that that's that that really puts a, a woman in a bad place, mm -hmm. and so that's why in, in the the prophets they talk about widows and orphans, yeah. and, you know these these vulnerable people, and so the bride price is supposed to help with that. Mm -hmm. Now that only happens amongst wealthy people, mm -hmm. right? People with means, um, which Laban is. Right. wealthy. Right. And so he's supposed, that's supposed to be kind of like how this goes. Mm -hmm. But basically what, what they're saying is that he has spent it. Yeah. Jacob worked for so many years for that and he spent it. And he spent the wages, right? Yeah. And so uh, what does that mean in terms of their relationship? Mm. Well, they take it to mean that he sold them because mm -hmm. he didn't give them what and was promised to them, yeah. He didn't give them away and then keep the bride mm -hmm. price. He he gave them away and then spent the bride price. Mm -hmm. So that's what you do when you sell things. That's mm -hmm. what you do when you, you know, in, mm -hmm. in, the, in the slave trade. It's like currency. Mm 
And so they're not like, that's how they view their father right now. Right. Yeah. Wow. And they're the, so then they, so their response to this is do whatever God told you. Yeah. And so I don't know, like, I just think this is very interesting because we've been considering this theme of faithful women and faithful mothers. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason that this is important is because of Genesis three, mm-hmm. it's the woman and her offspring who do battle against the serpent. And so we have seen, you know, the male characters like Abraham, Isaac at times, uh, exhibit faithfulness, Mm -hmm. but the faithfulness of the women is really, really important in the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so she's, so I just wanted you to see this. Uh, They say, do whatever God has told you Mm -hmm. in John chapter two, the first miracle Mm -hmm. in the book of John, Jesus is in, in his mother and his disciples are at a wedding in Cana. Mm-hmm. And Mary comes to him and says, the wine has run out. We need your help. Yeah. And first of all, Jesus calls her woman, mm-hmm. which we think is disrespectful because if you call your mother woman, you're going to get smacked, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but the reason that he does this is because uh, what is uh, what is Eve's called before she's named Eve at the very end of the creation story? Woman. Woman. Yeah. Right? So... Mary is the giver of new creation. Yeah. And so she's the new Eve, Eve yeah. right? And so he calls her woman and he says, why are you bothering me with this? Mm-hmm. And Mary does not respond to him, does not plead to him. She turns to the servants of the wedding and she says, do you remember what she says? Yeah, she says, do whatever he says. Do whatever he says. And so she looks at Jesus, the eternal son of the father and says, do whatever he says. Yeah. And... So here, Jacob tells them that the angel of God, who we believe is the pre-incarnate Christ, came to him in a vision, told him to go back to Canaan. Mm. And what does the woman or the women say? Do whatever he says. Do whatever he says. Yeah. That's, that's a very cool, cool precursor, right? Yeah, very absolutely. cool connection to to the gospels. And so they're gonna so they're gonna go back. Mm-hmm. And so we'll we'll finish at the end of this section. Um uh, we'll we'll do 17 to 21 mm-hmm. and we'll kind of wrap up today um and 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 talk about where, where we're going next time. Mm. All right. Then Jacob put his children and his wives on camels, and he drove all his livestock ahead of him, along with all the goods he had accumulated in Padan Aram, to go to his father Isaac's land in Canaan. When Laban had gone to shear his sheep, Rachel stole her father's household gods. Moreover, Jacob deceived Laban the Amorite by not telling him he was running away. So he fled with all he had, crossed the Euphrates River, and headed for the hill country of Gilead. Yeah, so wow. Rachel, it's a little spicy. Just steals right? the household gods. Yeah, the idols from his house. Yeah. So uh, Jacob takes his children and his wives and they leave to go back to the land mm-hmm. of Canaan. Um, and and Rachel steals her father's household gods. And it says that Jacob deceives Laban by leaving and not telling, telling him. Without telling him, yeah. So uh, what, what, what the word there actually says uh, like more woodenly in Hebrew is that Jacob stole the heart of Laban, which mm. is like an idiom. Mm. And so Rachel stole the gods of mm. Laban and Jacob stole the heart of mm. Laban in this moment, which is, which is kind of cool. And and one of the things that they want you to see is that Rachel and uh, uh, Jacob are, are kindred spirits. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're kind of, they're on the same page mm-hmm. with this stuff. And yeah. What we just talked about in terms of the women's attitudes towards their father is obviously yeah. <laughs> obviously true because there's like some vindictiveness yeah. going on here. Yeah. Um and so she she takes her father's household gods. Now one of the reasons this is important is because we're gonna we're gonna come to a point where um the people of God are supposed to tear down the idols. Mm-hmm. 
and they're going to go to the promised land and they're supposed to tear down the idols. Mm -hmm. And one of the issues that we're going to see as we go through the kings is that the kings don't do that. No, no. And even the kings who are faithful, it says that they, you know, they'll remove some stuff, but they usually don't take down the altars on the mm-hmm. high places mm-hmm. that are that are used to, mm-hmm. to tempt people to worship the gods. Yeah. And so here, Rachel is foreshadowing what the faithful people of God are supposed to do, mm. right? Tear down the idols. That's cool. And so she <laughs> steals her father's household gods. They cross the Euphrates mm-hmm. and they head towards the the promised land. Mm-hmm. They cross the water into the promised land. Mm-hmm. So does uh does this remind you of a famous story that we'll come to next year? The Exodus. Yeah. Yeah. So we've already seen several precursors to the Exodus. Mm-hmm. And I hope at this point in in our journey we can see that that this pattern, you know, is is central yeah. going forward. Mm-hmm. The communication, like the way that God communicates his his revelation to us is he gives us all these repeated paradigms. Mm -hmm. And so one of the paradigms that's repeated again and again and again is the Exodus where God takes his people from a bad situation and then delivers them into blessing Mm -hmm. into promise. Right. Mm -hmm. And so uh, before, I guess to wrap up today, we can just sort of start to talk about what this has looked like so far. Recap some Exodus yeah. paradigms. Yeah. Paradigms. paradigms. I just said yep. paradigms. You know, it's the... so hard not to say that when you read it. That was really bad. <laughs> I don't think it's hard Jared, to not say that. can you cut that out? <laughs> that I said paradigms instead of paradigms? <laughs> Matthew's <laughs> giving me a thumbs down from the window too. That's really bad. I mean, all right. Well, I'm going to try to keep going if that's okay with you, Jackie. Yeah, sorry. The paradigm of the Exodus. Just, yeah. So, okay. uh, This is one of the things that that we don't often notice is that I actually think the the creation story is an Exodus story. The original creation story. Yeah, because what does God pull creation out of? Chaos. The waters. That's true, yeah. Right? So there's chaos and Mm -hmm. death and God pulls it, you know, represented in waters and God Mm -hmm. pulls, you know, goodness in the garden out of the chaotic waters. And so beauty and goodness and promise come from the chaos, almost like they're rescued from the chaos waters. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and so uh, pulled through the waters. So I think that this is the original Exodus paradigm. Thank you for, uh, thank you for using my right. word. Yeah. So then, then we've talked some like recently about some of the other ones, right? Yeah. So, so maybe that's the original Exodus uh, paradigm, but Abram leaves Ur. Yeah. We talked about that when we, when we got there. Yeah. That's and, kind of the original Exodus. Right. Cause, cause what does Ur represent? It just at least his father isn't worshiping Yahweh, right? Yeah. To some degree, he's a pagan worshiper. So yeah, and, and I mean, it seems like they came from the Tower of Babel. Yes, yeah. So like, what was going on at the Tower of Babel? Yeah, chaos, confusion, rebellion, and rebellion, death, and yeah. chaos, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so he gets pulled from Ur, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe we'll go through this a little bit more next week. There's usually a resting place, mm. and then the promise. Mm-hmm. So they go from Ur, and then where do they settle? Mm. Haran. Yeah. And then they go into, then they get into Canaan. Canaan. Yeah. And when the Israelites are pulled out of slavery in Egypt, they go where first? They go to the desert. Desert, right? yeah. wilderness. And then into the promised land. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we'll see this next week, but this is also going to happen with Jacob and, and his family. Mm-hmm. Um, but the when Abram gets into the promised land, there's a famine mm-hmm. and he has to go down into Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. And he's oppressed by Pharaoh. Well, there's a very direct comparison to the Exodus that we'll see. <laughs> and then God delivers him from Egypt uh-huh. and he goes into back to Bethel, mm-hmm. right? The promised land. 
And so then there's the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. And this forces Abram and his household to go to Philistia, mm-hmm. uh, which we repeatedly talked about. It's actually from the line of Egypt. Mm-hmm. So these are like technically Egyptians, according to the mm-hmm. table of nations. And he's oppressed there again by Abimelech. Mm-hmm. But then Abimelech, uh, God appears to Abimelech and Abram is saved, yes. right? So yeah. he's like delivered again from this Egyptian uh, sort of oppression. And then we see with Isaac, almost the exact same story. Isaac yep. goes to, to uh, Philistia and Abimelech accuses Isaac, but he's delivered. Mm-hmm. And uh, he moves back to Beersheba. Mm-hmm. It's in the promised land. And so now we see Jacob going from, do you remember where this family is settled Haran. right now and back in Haran. Back to where Abraham was from or where he had at least right. settled, yeah. So we see uh, Jacob go from Haran being oppressed by Laban and eventually he's going to end back uh, back up at Bethel. The promised land. It's the promised yeah. land, right? And so we're going to go through this next week as we finish up Genesis, or in two weeks, as we finish up uh, Genesis 31. Uh, like we said, next week, reminder, on Christmas Day, we have a special Christmas edition, the first ever Christmas edition of Story Symbol Spirit. So exciting. And uh, we're going to have a guest on, talk about the timing of the birth of Christ. And... Maybe this can become a household tradition yeah. for years to come oh, for you yeah. guys. Christmas Day, Story Symbol Spirit listening. There we go. There you go. Uh, and and uh, so so that's going to be fun to give us maybe a pretty good picture of, yeah. of uh, when Jesus was born. And so we'll do that on Christmas Day. And then Monday, January 1st, which is New Year's Day. Mm. Guess what? Another episode. And guess what episode that is? Is it episode 50? Let's go, Jackie. Oh, we'll never hear the end On of it, On New guys. Year's this Day, are you never. serious? He's so... I did not plan this out. But, <laughs> but the I, Lord might The have, providence you know? of God, yeah, the blessings so, you know. of God is upon this podcast. <laughs> and that, that much I'm sure of. Yeah. And so episode 50 uh, on New Year's Day, Jackie, if you thought she was drinking champagne at episode 40, <laughs> which was like in the middle of October or something, imagine what it's going to be like on Christmas imagine. Day. Imagine. We're going to have to take like PTO to celebrate. I mean, I'm not coming to work. <laughs> so, the day after we record. I feel like... Celebrating. I feel like uh, the, the first ever 50th episode of a podcast... No one's done it. Who's no doing it like us? It. No one's doing it like us. Right. And it's on New Year's Day. Right. And so that's going to be exciting. So the Christmas episode is exciting, but New Year's Day episode 50, the most exciting thing that's ever happened in 514 Church. Probably ever. Yeah. Maybe since the, the resurrection season. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely in Ohio. Most exciting yeah, thing that's yeah. happened in well, Ohio. Well, yeah. Say. I mean, yeah. Columbus. But Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, all right. And so uh, we, will, we will see you guys next week, Christmas Day. You got anything else for us today, Jackie? That's it. Just prepping your celebrations for New Year's? Just practicing how to say the word paradigm. Well, that, after that, this episode, I'm going to make you say it. I'm going <laughs> to make you say it on air next time. So, all right. Well, thank you guys for joining us, and we will see you next week on Story Symbol Spirit. Mm-hmm.